0: And we're gonna continue week two, teach us to pray as we kind of lean into the Lord's Prayer. Uh, what does it look like for us to be a people of prayer, to make this a house of prayer? When, when, you, when I talk about prayer over the years, I, I've just learned, I kind of start this from the very beginning. There's this uh, tension that every one of us as followers of Jesus wrestle with, and that's a desire to be a person of prayer, and that's a reality of how strong our flesh is, right? I think everybody in the room, would admit that you wanna pray more than you do, right? Me included. You wanna be a person of prayer. You also realize that the flesh in your life is strong, that we believe that prayer is a place where your soul finds rest and comfort and is transformed, and at the same time, you have an enemy in your life that's purpose is to distract you and to keep you from that place. In fact, I love this quote by Duncan Campbell. I want you to look at these words. He says, The prayer life must be fought for. Everything will militate against it. The world with its pressures and speed will give us no time. The flesh with its appetites and weaknesses will rob us of concentration. Satan will concentrate his subtle powers to contend every inch of the prayer route. The tide of battle turns in the closet. This is where the real warfare is accomplished. It is there Satan has served with an authoritative notice to quit. When I I read this, I I think to myself, you know what? There's so many kind of the things that I think are important and battles that I'm fighting and things that I want to see for my life, my future, my job, my my marriage and family. But there may be no more battle as important as whether or not I find a place of intimacy with the Father. Because what did he promise us? You seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, guess what? All these other things, all the things that you're worried about, all the things that cause anxiety and fear, I'll handle those, right? This is the Martha and Mary story. You, you come and set up my feet and guess what? You're gonna go back and do the work that you're called to do with joy and peace instead of feeling like you're at your end. Amen. What does that look like for us? Over the years, I've realized there's, there's reasons why we struggle in our prayer life. There's reasons why we don't pray. And here's just some of the mind that, I, that I've learned, and I think all of us, all of us deal with this. Number one, we, fall, uh, we allow prayer to fall into the optional category in our lives. You know as well as I do, whatever is optional is soon forgotten. Amen? Come on now, some of you started the year working out like a bandit, didn't you? Come on. Because it's easy. You start off with passion and. You know, me and my oldest son, we're, doing, we're working out three nights a week in our garage. And last night it was like 22 degrees in our garage. And my son looks at me and he's like, I don't want to be here. And I'm like, I don't either. You know, <laughs> I don't either. What is this, January? How much more weeks do we have to do this, you know, to say we're good? And it's, it's not easy. Whatever we put in the optional category, we have to take those out of optional and say, no, I'm committed to doing this. Number two, we cannot slow our hearts and minds long enough to be present in prayer. I get this feedback from a lot of people. Man, this pastor is just so hard for me to to kind of sit there and to focus. Let me tell you, you can talk about prayer, you can listen to teachings about prayer, but you actually have to practice prayer. And it's something that you get better at doing. The more that you practice it, you teach your heart and soul how to be present, how how to not be distracted. Number three, we associate prayer with guilt rather than an invitation to know our Heavenly Father. If you want more on that, please go back and listen to last week's sermon our Father in heaven, an invitation from our Father to come and be a son and daughter with him. Number four, we believe we are completely capable of managing our lives apart from prayer. Mm. We don't say that out loud, we just live that way, don't we? We live that way. This is what's probably altered my understanding of prayer more than anything, is understanding that I am completely helpless apart from the Father. I cannot manage it on my own. I cannot keep the plate spinning. I cannot do everything he's called me to do. I've tried to do it and I know the end result. It's burnout. And sometimes prayer is just kind of our our last resort. It's when we're in crisis instead of understanding why did Jesus constantly get away every day because he understood that he was completely and utterly helpless apart from his heavenly father. Number five is this. We don't pray because uh, we don't believe it really changes things. We don't think it's changing our circumstances or our situation or us. And so we live in this cycle of us trying to do the work in and of ourselves. And I think this, until prayer becomes our first resort instead of our last resort, we will continue in this cycle of trying to manufacture our own transformation and change and how we know that does not work. And over time, you get weary and understand, I cannot do this. Our sermon series uh, for this whole month starts in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Uh, the disciples are following Jesus, right? They're, they've apprenticed themselves to the rabbi, to the Messiah. When you're an apprentice, when you're a disciple, you do what your master rabbi is doing. Not, not only his teachings, but you follow in his stu- footsteps and his practices. So when Jesus is constantly getting away, he's withdrawing to a lonely place. He's going up on the mountainside. Jesus spends all night in prayer. After a while, if you're gonna follow him, you're like, okay, teach me to do what you're doing, Right? Luke chapter 11, verse one, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, which was common. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. So last week, if you were with us, we learned that Jesus had to deconstruct what prayer is not because they had a faulty understanding of like, you have to look the part and you have to say all the right things. And we realized that words are the least important thing about prayer. Jesus gives us this model and template with the Lord's Prayer of how to pray and it becomes the heart of Christian prayer for the early church where they begin to pray it three times every day and every time that they would gather. Today really is the heart or the bullseye of the Lord's Prayer. They're gonna put this on the screen. We're gonna say it together. Let's repeat the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, power, and glory forever and ever. Amen. It just happens to be that the central part of the Lord's Prayer is actually the central part of the message Jesus came to give. It's the message Jesus preached and the words he used more than anything else, that his teaching, his life, his death and resurrection was all about the announcement that the kingdom of God has arrived. Now, what is a kingdom? Like We don't really think of that in terms our, in, in our day anymore because it's just it was kind of more old terminology, but in the first century, a kingdom was the rule and reign of the king, right? Wherever the king had his palace, his throne, whatever he was in control of, that whole territory or area was under the kingdom of that king. What God is announcing in this is, my kingdom has now come through the life of Jesus. Jesus is here. My kingdom has arrived. Now, here's our part. To enter the kingdom and to bring his kingdom, one must surrender to King Jesus and choose to live under the rule and reign of King Jesus, right? We can't call ourselves followers of Jesus and believers and not submit ourselves to our kingship. That's not a thing, right? I've said this many times. One day, uh, you know, we're going to get to heaven, right? People are going to go into eternity. If we did not submit under the rule and reign of his kingship here in his kingdom, why would we ever want to live in eternity under it in a place of perfection? What's hard is that there's part of our wills and in our lives where it's easy to surrender this to to, to his will and to his kingdom, and then there's part of his kingdom that we look at and we're like, ah, is that really best, right? I mean, I'm just being real with you. Today, I mean, sexuality is a perfect example of how people, even in the body of Christ who call themselves the believers, will take Jesus and reject his ethic on sexuality. But we don't get to choose which part of the kingdom we surrender to. We look at Jesus and say, no, you are bigger, you're greater, you know more than us, you're all powerful, and so we are going to submit all of ourselves under the rule and reign of King Jesus, because you know more than we do, because you're king and we're not. And the other thing about Jesus' kingdom is it was completely different than every other kingdom that had ever come. Like every other kingdom was built on this dominion and, and, and domination, and Jesus' kingdom comes and it's about deliverance. Every other kingdom was about oppression and and power. Jesus comes and his kingdom is about liberation and freedom and love. Every other kingdom was like the elite and and the rich and and, and all these people of high class society. And Jesus comes to the oppressed and the outcast and the poor and says, no, my kingdom is for you. Like that ticked people off. That sounds great to us now. That ticked off the people of the time who thought they were in. And Jesus says, no, I'm gonna reestablish who's in and who's out. And it has nothing to do with the the family you were born in or how much is in your bank account. It has everything to do of how your faith approaches the kingdom of God and whether you believe in me and trust in me or not. And this prayer of the Lord's Prayer imagines us, it invites us to imagine a different world, a world as God meant it to be, and a world that God will ultimately reestablish and restore one day. I don't know if you've ever gone to the book of Revelation, I know there can be some weird things in Revelation that kind of throw us off, but the last chapter of the book of Revelation is the picture of the kingdom to come. It's eternity. Remember, Genesis 1 and 2 is about relationship, it's perfection. Genesis 3 is about sin and death and everything off course and brokenness. And then the story ends with God reestablishing what happened in Genesis 1 and 2. The new heavens and new earth restored, no more sin or death, no more separation. We have communion with the Father. Look at Revelation chapter 21 verse verse 1. This is John's revelation that he got from God. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, amen? but the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and the liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I want you to see this picture, God's painting. You know what's gonna be different more than anything in the kingdom to come? Is that we will experience the presence of God in its fullness. No hindrance, no brokenness, no no sin, no more mourning. He wipes every tear from our eye. This is a sneak peek of what's to come. God gives us like the movie trailer, like coming soon, right? And here we are as the body of Christ and we have to hold these tensions together. Tensions are difficult to hold together and most people in our current society don't know how to hold tensions. You can actually hold two truths simultaneously. Do You know two things can be true simultaneously? We don't don't have, have, have a society that believes that. It's like it's black or white, yes or no, you're all in or you're all out, but that's not the reality of most things. And as followers of Jesus, we have to hold this tension that that the kingdom of God has come and yet it's coming, right? How do we do that? That we believe the kingdom of God is both a present reality and the kingdom of God is a future promise and we're living in this in-between where we're holding on to the promises of God's kingdom now and we're putting our face towards what God's going to do with hope and expectation, three things that may help us understand this. Number one, the kingdom of God has arrived in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The kingdom of God is here. So we can tap into the realities of the kingdom of God here. We're not always guaranteed the fullness of those realities because sin exists, right? But the kingdom of God is here. Number two, the kingdom of God is here, but not in its fullness. So we're living in a world of competing kingdoms. Darkness and light still exist. Bad things happen to good people. There's brokenness and sin and sickness and death. And then number three, the kingdom of God will one day come in its fullness. Darkness will be done away with. The enemy locked away, right? The fullness of what God wants for us is coming. And when we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, we're praying and living in a way that we are inviting God's kingdom to reality here and now. For some reason, I've always thought about this growing up Uh, when I think about the kingdom of God. I've almost thought about the future realities, the kingdom to come, eternity, uh, like over here and you tie a big rope around it, right? And when we pray and we embody the kingdom of God, what we're doing is we're pulling on that rope and we're pulling the realities of the kingdom into the present. We're saying, God, we know that one day you're gonna do all of these things and restore it, but we're asking you to do that now a place where love and justice and compassion, where you reign, we're gonna pull those realities into the present by the way that we pray and by the way that we live. And what's cool about this is you and I get snapshots of the kingdom to come here and now. Glimpses. You don't get the full picture, do you? You don't get to watch the full movie yet. Just glimpses of the kingdom to come. Do you know every time that love overcomes hatred, the kingdom of God is present? Every time somebody chooses to forgive instead of hold on to bitterness or retaliate, you know the kingdom of God shows up. Every time. When we uh, tear down walls of racism or segregation or division or the things that the world and sin has built up, every time that you and I tear those down in our lives and our relationships, the kingdom of God is there is present. When the outcasts, the hurting, the broken, when they find compassion, when we walk across with, a, with a, a cup of water, with food, the kingdom of God is present in that moment. We're pulling in the future realities of the kingdom into the here and now. When you live out the mission of God in your life and the mission of Jesus wherever you go, you're pulling in the kingdom, when marriages are restored, when people are healed in their body, when addiction and people experience breakthrough, the kingdom is here. Kingdom is here. The, the third Wednesday of every month and the third Sunday, we partner with Filling the Void who has a feeding center in the back of our building here. Some of you realize that. We go and we feed people just out on the streets and we put an Arby sandwich in there and there's cookies and uh, chips and drink and there's a little... Th- uh, you know, like kind of booklet that talks about God's love in there. And we just walk along the streets and just bless people. And how many know people are shocked by blessing because they're not expecting someone to be generous? And I gotta be honest, it's my favorite time of the week. I, I love doing it. Anybody's, any, you're always invited to join us. And it's just awesome because you'll go up to people and you're like, hey man, I got free lunch for you. Can I, can I bless you? And they're like, what? You know, yeah. <laughs> kind of like not expecting someone to, to, to give them something. And uh, Pastor Jim and Cody and a few of us were walking down here, it was last Wednesday, so it was the first day it was like semi-warm, like not like negative two, and so everybody was out, and they were walking around. And uh, so we were just you know half a mile down the street, and I'm walking along, there's a guy probably in, I would say his mid-late 60s, and I walked up to him, and I said, hey man, I got a free Arby's lunch, would you like one? And he's like, yeah, I want one. Like, pretty passionate. And he's like, man, that's what I needed today. I'm like, well, that's that's great. I was like, I just want to bless you with this. Or anything I can pray with you about anything that you need. He's like, yeah, I need prayer. And I just want you to know not everybody is always this like into it when you do it. Um, so everybody's gonna show up and be like, I didn't experience that, you know? Yeah, you well, gotta, gotta keep coming back and get some good stories. He's like, Yeah, I need prayer. He's like, I gotta get off alcohol and crack. He goes, I've been trying, I can't do it. And I said, Wesley, we're gonna pray right now that God would set you free. From your addiction. Let me just stop for a minute because there's a lot of people that sometimes we look and they're transient or homeless, and there's a lot of reasons that can happen. But sometimes we, even as the body of Christ, we think to ourselves, well, they kind of get what they deserve because of the decisions they made. Do you know how many people would give anything to be free? They would give anything to be able to go back to that moment of that addiction, and they're like, they want to be free. And I said, Wesley, let's pray. So we, we pray together and he's in it like, I mean, he's getting all Pentecostal with me. Like he is praying along with me. Like it, it's, we're in this and it's in the middle of the, the, the street right there at, at Peoria 61st and he starts to walk away and he turns around, he, he has his bag and he said, Pastor, I want you to know, he goes, I'm not gonna sell this uh, for crack. He goes, you don't pimp God's blessings. <laughs> and I said, no, Wesley, <laughs> you, you certainly do not. He, he gets so excited. He starts yelling. He, he looks at another person across the street. He said, you don't pimp God's blessings. And I'm like, no, we're thinking about making T-shirts that say that. They'll be out in the lobby next week. But in all seriousness, you know what? I think God, the kingdom of God was right there in that moment, wasn't it? Heaven and earth collide a moment where we pull in the kingdom of god to our present reality to our everyday walking around just being the hands and feet of jesus and guess what you don't have to be a leader or a pastor to do that do you because it's all around us you don't have to be homeless to be walking in brokenness most people whose bank accounts are full are walking in brokenness right now cuz they're empty they're empty as believers we're committed to living in such a way that we bring the kingdom of god into each and every place we go do you know that You have the opportunity to bring the kingdom of God into every place you go because the kingdom of God is inside of you. It's with you. It's in the presence of Jesus now through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And so here's a question for you to wrestle with. This is a great micro church question. It's a great question to go home tonight. We do our little Nelson huddle every Sunday night. This is a question for our family tonight. Where does the world around me not align with the world as it should be? Where is the kingdom of God not present in my world? Where, where is justice and love and compassion and the things of God, the character and attributes of God, where are they absent and lacking, and how can I bring them there? Can I just tell you, church, if you want to simplify your life, we try to make things so complex, like you get a great job doing all these things, great. You know what your calling in life is? Is to usher in the kingdom of God every place you go. Small steps of obedience, loving extravagantly. You live your life that way, that is a life well spent. That is a life one day where God looks at you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. You brought my kingdom wherever you went. Now enter into my, your eternal kingdom with me, amen? amen? Where does the world around me not align with the world as it should be? Where is the kingdom of God not present? And we get the opportunity to usher in the kingdom. I talk about this a lot, but you know, my wife and I are super passionate about public schools. Tulsa Public Schools, our kids are there. It's okay if that's not your passion, but that's our place to bring God's kingdom into reality, to, to want for all children what we want for our, for our kids, and we get to bring the kingdom into our little, our, our little piece, right? Our little part of it. Why is City Church so passionate about foster care? We have been fighting for the last 13 years so that no child in our state would be without a family because how many know children without families is not God's will? That is broken. It's broken. Kids who get passed around from home to home, and the whole time they're thinking, why cannot somebody just love me like, you know, forever? And they have people that love them, but how many you know when you get passed around, passed around, you begin to think to yourself, does anybody love me? And the incarceration rates, when people age out of foster care and their pregnancy rates, they skyrocket. Like, we as a church have to step into that place. That's not the government or state solution. We're grateful for them. That's our role as the body of Christ to step into the brokenness and bring the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. We get to do that. Why do we plant churches? Next Sunday, I get to introduce a church planner couple to you. They're planting in, in Kansas City here in a few months. Why do we do that? Why do we spend so much money and time doing that? Because how many of those cities and communities across America need life giving churches who are bringing the light and the kingdom of God into darkness? who are pushing back the darkness with the goodness of God. Why do we do this? Why do you do what you do? To bring God's kingdom to reality. We're ambassadors of God's kingdoms. We embody it. We live it. When we walk into a restaurant, we're bringing the kingdom of God, amen, to a waiter or waitress that everybody's complaining and she's having a hard day, and you get to, with a few words, bring life. You get to bring the kingdom, right? How many know they need love? Come on. You walk into the park and neighborhood, you walk into your office, it's an opportunity. I get to bring God's kingdom through a word, through an action, through love. We are ambassadors. To pray your kingdom come means to see the world as God sees it. That God's kingdom has not come in its fullness and reality, but we're gonna gonna do everything we can to pull those in. Everything I can to pull in God's reality into the current situation. One of the reasons we pray this prayer is because God's will is often not done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the reality. God's sovereignty does not alleviate the reality of a fallen, sinful world full of brokenness. It was never God's uh, agenda, will, desire for there to be sickness and disease. That's not God's will. God's will for you and creation for you was communion and perfection with him. How many know war and genocide is not God's will? Your loved one passing away in a car accident is not God's will. That's not the world as he has envisioned. And now he's doing everything possible to restore what was broken. And he does that through, through who? Through us. We're ambassadors. We're ushering in God's kingdom through the work that he's done for us. That's our role as the body of Christ. We're grabbing onto the rope and collectively through our prayers and through our life, we are pulling in God's kingdom to the present, waiting for him to come, crying out, Lord Jesus, come again. Amen? I can't tell you how many times throughout the week that I'll turn on the news or I'll read or I'll see something and the only response is, Lord Jesus, come. Like you'll hear of something that's happening to a child or neglect and abuse and the response is, Jesus, come like that level of brokenness. You hear of women and children and innocent people in and, and war and things of that nature being slaughtered. Lord Jesus, come. This is not the way things should be. This is not the way things should be. But in the meantime, as we wait, how many know we don't wait idly? We don't sit back and just watch. In the meantime, we bring God's kingdom to reality everywhere we go. We reimagine a world where where God's kingdom is fully present. But there's no more abuse, no more domestic violence, no more betrayal or racism or sexual exploitation. We, We pray and we act. Lastly is this, when we pray this prayer, we are praying for his will to be done and not our will, amen? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only this is a prayer of of ushering in God's promises in his kingdom, it's also this, it's surrendering our kingdom. Not my will, not my ways. Your ways are higher than my ways. You're bigger. The most powerful prayer you can pray is God, your will be done. Jesus embodied that, didn't he? Garden of Gethsemane. Nevertheless, like, would you remove this cup of suffering from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus surrendered himself to the will of the Father. How many know when you surrender yourself to the will of Father, it doesn't always get more comfortable for you? Amen. But it's the place you wanna be because it's where God maximizes you for kingdom impact to bring his kingdom to reality in this world. I gotta be honest with you, sometimes our prayers get selfish and we need to pray this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. God don't even know what to pray. Like, it's so easy to get selfish with our prayers, right? I mean, some of you are right now praying that your NFL team wins tonight. Come on now. That's selfish. We have an abnormally large number of Kansas City Chiefs fans in this church. I don't get it. I don't get that. Like, you need more than a prayer. You need a miracle tonight. Come on now. Oh, I went there. I'm a bitter Cowboys fan. Bring it on. Where was I going with that? I don't remember. <laughs> Selfish prayers. That's where it was. <laughs> Rabbit trip. Realigning ourself with God and his kingdom. Releasing control. Praying his will, his ways. God, if this doesn't look like what I wanted it to look, I surrender myself to you. And if you have not come to that point in life, You will. Ah, that was not in my five or 10 year plan. I didn't see that transition coming. That wasn't gonna be a part of my story. Nevertheless, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in me and the world around me. In this brokenness and the mess of sin that we live in, we're ambassadors of His kingdom, pulling in His kingdom realities into the present. Here's what we're gonna do this morning to end we're gonna pray. Appropriate, but you stand your feet with me. We can hear teachings on prayer, we can talk about prayer, but at some point you have to pray. And here's what I want to do they're going to put a list on the screen. We're going to pray God's kingdom to come and His will to be done in these areas. This is not a moment where you sit and you listen to your pastor pray. This is a moment where you engage because you are the body of Christ. God, here's your prayers. Your prayers are powerful, amen. What happens when we collectively gather together and pray his kingdom to come in these areas? Things happen, things begin to shift. You believe it? Yes. I do. I think it's one of the most effective things that we can do as the body of Christ. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Father, we pray right now for relationships and marriages and family, that your kingdom would come in those areas. Father, where there is brokenness, God, would you bring restoration I pray for marriages right now that are on the brink. Father, there's bitterness and resentment and their hearts have become hard. God, would your kingdom break into it? Break into those situations, Father. God, I pray for families. God, I pray for for children that are not following your ways, Father. I pray, Lord, that that you would follow them, that you would reveal your goodness and love to them. Right now, we pray, God, would you restore broken families? God, where unforgiveness has ripped people apart, God, with the love of Jesus, bring them back together. We ask for your kingdom to come in our workplaces, in our schools right now. In your mind, I want you to enter into those doors of your workplace and your school, the place you go every day. Enter in right now. Bring God's kingdom with you right now. Father, we pray in that room, in that office, in that workspace, in that cubicle right now that your kingdom of God would come. God, we pray for our, our, our coworkers and our classmates, God, that your kingdom would come in their life. You're already at work in their lives, God. Reveal to us where you're at work. Give us opportunities to bring your kingdom. God, we pray that right now. God, we pray in our homes, our neighborhoods, our communities, God. Right now, we walk and drive down the streets of our neighborhoods. Right now, God, we bring your kingdom. Every place that we go, darkness has to leave. Darkness has to leave. Deception, lies of the enemy. Addiction leaves. Depression and anxiety leaves when your kingdom is present. So right now, we bring it. God, we pray for Tulsa. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. In Tulsa, Oklahoma, as it is in heaven, is our prayer, God. Where there is brokenness, right now, Father, would your kingdom come. God, where there's abuse, neglect, Addiction, darkness, those corners of our city right now where nobody sees, but there's darkness happening and and, and the kingdom of darkness has a foothold or a stronghold. God, we pray the kingdom of God right now into those areas, the unforeseen areas, the unforeseen people, the brokenness, God. We pray that right now. Restore, redeem, Father, set free. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Come on, church, pray that right now. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Father, we pray that right now. We believe it. God, we grab a hold of that rope. And as your body, as your people, God, we pull that into reality. We pull that into our present, God. We pull it into our present, Father. God, we intercede for the broken and the hurting thank you that you're at work right now if you would just prepare your hearts as we're about to come to the table